Hello and welcome to the pep talk. You are here for the new season for Manchester City going through the preview today. We're going to be discussing the squad and the squad makeup as well as looking at the transfer window, City's best challenger potentially this season, and a little preview to the Burnley match. Jason, how you feeling? Good, man. I'm ready for, for a new season. It's going to be another long one, I think. But, you know, we've had two months off, and I'm, I think I'm ready to go. What yeah, about I'm you? ready for football to be back. Yeah. Enough I'm about transfers. Enough about all the other stuff. Just, just, just let me see Haaland score a few goals, man. <laughs> yeah, it's ex- the transfer stuff is just exhausting, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it is it look- exhausting. Yeah, it is what it is with the transfer window. It's, it's always like this at this time of the year. Um, but it looks like City are, are still doing moves, you know, so there's still there's still work to do and the season kicks off tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, I look, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, we're back. That's, that's the main thing. Yeah. So, all right, let's start with looking at our current squad, um, kind of go through the makeup of the squad, how we feel about it, you know, any potential strengths, weaknesses, all that stuff. I feel like goalkeeping, there really isn't much to say. We have the same two keepers, mm-hmm. technically three keepers, but same keepers as last year. Uh, hey, maybe maybe Madrid will come after Ortega, man. <laughs> honestly, if if they were smart, they would. But who knows? Um, looks like they're going to go for good old David De Gea. Can't wait. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'll be good. Actually, I hope we get them in Champions League again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, there's nothing really to talk about with keepers. There was that story that Sam Lee wrote that basically Ortega was probably closer than we thought to replacing Ederson last year until Ederson had a really good end to the season. Uh, You know how I'm an Ortega stand, so that was (laughs) kind of funny for me to hear. But I love them both, so... Um, yeah, look, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Yeah, the good the good thing with Ortega is he applies pressure to Edison, which makes Edison perform better. When you had someone like Zach Steffen in there, no pressure on Edison, he could perform absolute dog shit, and he'll still get into the team because basically he's better than the alternative, no matter what he does. Um, but with Ortega, he actually applies pressure to Edison because a he can play with his feet almost just as good. But he's also very, very good with his hands and, and you know, shot blocking. So it makes Edison step up and, and know that he needs to perform at a high level. And competition within the squad is actually what drives us to basically what we did last season. So I think having them both is perfect. You can't go wrong with, with either. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start with defenders. Um, so for context this year, right now, We have basically the same defensive core except for Joao Cancelo is leaving and uh, Laporte is also leaving. It looks like they haven't left yet, but it seems very, very probable that both of them leave at either either being sold or on loan. Like they're they're not going to be playing this year is is my point. And we brought in Yasko Gvardiol. So. How are you feeling about the defensive unit this year? So I actually think our defensive unit right now is probably the best defensive unit you can have. Um, It's probably the best defensive unit around Europe. Um, 
you know, last season, it was probably one of the best defensive units. It had a little bit of weaknesses in terms of, um, you know, you didn't have overlapping fullbacks or anything like that. Um, but in terms of the structure and the plays that we have in now, there is so much flexibility in there and there's so many ways Pep can shift players in and out to, to make that, that back three, back four or back five work um, depending how he wants to play it. Um, you've got Gavario who I think... I think he can do the stones roll from the left, right? Which gives you a lot of flexibility as well. I don't think he'll do it straight away. It'll take him some time because it is a it is a tough role to do. Let him. I think Pep will start him just you know, left back or you know left centre back to start the season. I don't see him going into midfield straight off the bat. But I think as the season develops, you'll start seeing, you'll start seeing Gavardio do that John Stones role, but he'll do it from the left side. So it gives you flexibility to shift players in and out, right? So you could you potentially still play Ake and Gavardio and Diaz together, for example. So in terms of how many players we can put in the squad or, or shift and change, it gives you endless opportunities to, to, to chop and change. So I, basically, I think the defense can't get any better right now. It's absolutely perfect. And with Kyle Walker now rejecting Bayern Munich and staying and potentially signing a new contract, we've also got that ultra-fast winger, um, fullback, sorry, that can deal with those ultra-fast wingers like Vinicius, like he did last season in the Champions League. Um, so that that's huge for us as well um, in terms of like, you know, being able to shift the tactics or shift the play, sorry, to suit the tactics needed to counter other teams. So look, I'm I'm stoked about our defense. I can't actually, you know, I can't floor it right, right now. Basically, Cancelo and Laporte, like you said, need to go. But that's, that's about it. Um, but otherwise, I'm absolutely stoked. We've got a, a mix of youth, a mix of experience, and absolute ballers in, in, in defense. And <laughs> we're not going to concede much, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I mean, I know conceding still kind of has to do with the attack, right? Because if you're giving the ball away in stupid areas, you're just more prone to conceding more goals. But... I will say this is the strongest defensive unit we've had under Pep, probably ever, quite honestly, because last year was maybe our strongest defensive unit, and we've gotten better. Like, Gavardiol, I know you guys have heard me talk about him enough, but he's he's like, he's a generational player. It wouldn't, honestly would not surprise me if he started against Burnley. I don't think he will, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Because he is that good. And for him, I think one of the biggest things, a couple things, is like with the buildup in the 3-2, I think we're going to see more variations, like maybe like a 3-1 diamond type thing in midfield. Maybe there's going to be variations. And there could be variations also where like we really just play three center backs and two midfielders. It could just be like three center backs and... Rodri and Kovacic it could be whoever like we we don't know how it's going to look but um I I I think regardless of any types of variations like that um like you said Gavardio could step into midfield I think he can go higher and wider too like if you watch the community shield like Akanji was up high and wide in certain spots and he did well Gavardio would do even better because He's got loads of pace, and he's got the left foot, and he can deliver a ball. So, you know, 
there could be potential there as well. Like there, there's a lot of possibilities, but one thing, I think the biggest thing that I love about this squad is that I am comfortable regardless. Like it doesn't matter who starts. Obviously Pep's going to start who he thinks is in form and who uh, will fit tactically, but there's really nobody where I'm, I think it's a huge downgrade if they're starting, whether it's Walker, Diaz, Stones, Akanji, Ake, or Vardiol. Yeah, you, you make a really, really good point about the team, um, you know, where the confidence with whoever plays, it does not matter who plays, you know what I mean? Like in past years, we've had Eric Garcia or Otamendi or whoever it was, but right, but you, you see that tip play in the, in the lineup and you go, oh, I'm not really sure about this. Um, but with this current team, I don't feel like that about anyone, whether it be Lewis or Gavardio or Ake or Kanji, Stones, Diaz, etc. No matter who's in there, I know they'll be able to do a job, but most importantly, they'll be able to do a job defensively where I, I don't feel like they're going to be prone to make mistakes, right? Everyone's everyone's prone to making a few mistakes every game. Um, but whoever comes in now, I'm just like, yeah, I'm confident. It's not, it's not going to... We're not going to be hurt tactically, defensively, or anything like that. I, I think our, our sentiments are just about the same. Is that the defense is really stronger than ever, and there's just what I like is there's a lot of versatility. There's a lot of combinations, and like I think Akanji will have an even better season. There's also plenty of cover, which is good because it seems like somebody's like it's almost impossible to go through the entire season without an injury or two. So. It's nice to just feel confident that even if somebody goes down with an injury, we have good and adequate cover that we trust. And yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100% agree with that. All right. uh, Let's move on to the midfield. Uh, This is a little more tricky. Should we combine the midfield and attack together? Because I think our midfield and and attack is very, very fluid in terms of where people sit so like you got Foden that can play both you got Bernardo that can play both um but I, but it is a little bit complicated on this end right like I think there's still yeah. work to do in the transfer window and the, that's why the Paqueta links make sense right yeah so you know to give the most recent update from what we know as of now and we don't have any inside information it's just from what we're reading on the Twitterverse um basically it looks like City is very strongly interested in Lucas Paqueta from West Ham. I know that it's. it seems like a deal is closer than we think. Um, it, he is a, basically like an eight attacking midfielder type of player. And it also seems like City is interested in a winger as well. So it looks like two may be coming in to the midfield slash attack. Um so, yeah. er, so that's that's at least what it feels like is two more people are coming in. Yeah. It, look, I think we need at minimum one, right? We have to bring in one player. I don't think there's... Um, I don't think there's no enough, question. Yeah, there's not, no enough, question. There's, there's not enough minutes. If you look at who the minutes will end up going to, it will end up being, you know, out of the four of McAtee, Bob, um, McAtee, Bob, Palmer, and Peroni, right? And there's about like 4,000 minutes that you need to give to, to those four players. And I don't think that's like almost a full season's worth of playtime unless we're willing to give that to Palmer or McAtee, I don't, which I don't think we are. And if you listen to Pep's presser, it sounded like he definitely wants someone in, right? So 
whether it be Paqueta or a, or a winger, they have to bring in at least one body. Um, but after that, anything else on top is is just a bonus in my mind. I think we we have enough depth and cover in all the areas, but it, we just need that one more extra player. But if you get two, you're, you're, you're running perfectly. And then basically McAtee, Palmer, et cetera, they'll have to probably be sold or go on loan um, because then they won't have enough game time. Um, that, that would justify their development, right? So you kind of only want to have one or two projects in the team, I think. If you have more than that, then you, they're not going to get enough game time, I don't think, especially if we, if we bring in a player. Um, but yeah, look, it, we definitely need to sign someone. Like, and Paqueta, Paqueta looks good. I kind of, you know, I, you've done a, I, I'll, I'll let you talk on this, but you've you done a great um, little analysis on, on Paqueta on Twitter. So tell, tell, us, tell us what you think of Paqueta. Yeah, I really like him. I, I thought it was interesting that last year we heard his name uh, well, like once or twice for potentially being slated to uh, be a target for City if Bernardo left last summer. And I think Fabrizio Romano mentioned it once and maybe another reporter. Um, so I, I kind of watched him this year because I thought, that's interesting that we were going for a guy and then he goes to West Ham. Uh, and he started off kind of rocky, needed some time to kind of gel and learn the system. And with, for the second half of the year, he was very good. Like him and Declan Rice were far and away their best players. And he just he, – he looks like a pep footballer. Like he looks – when you see him – He's left-footed, and he's like he's very two-footed. He's very good under pressure. It seems like he's always receiving the ball under pressure, and he's really good at like at turning his body so that he's always receiving the ball the correct way. And I know that sounds kind of simple, but it's it's a skill to be honest. Because if you're receiving the ball the correct way, turning the correct way when you receive it, it's it's good for keeping the ball. You won't lose it nearly as much. You'll see a lot of that with like Foden uh, does that really well as well, like with his turns and stuff like that, um, and David Silva as well. And that's one guy I kind of compared him to that he kind of stuck out as it looks like they're going at a different speed than everyone else on the pitch. And that's kind of what I like about him is like he's he's a little more of like a flashy Brazilian type dribbler. Like he can dribble out of situations. Um, but he's got that, like, sit in the pocket in between spaces, very comfortable, and the game just looks a little slower to him, and that's kind of the the David Silva that I see in him. And yeah. also his work rate is incredible. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I think got, he would fit right in. He's got surprisingly good defensive stats. Um, I think what's, what's, uh, what's, uh, what's interesting about him, right, so – when you watch Kovacic, I think one of his weaknesses is he's so good at keeping the ball, so good at like um, progressing the ball, so good at dribbling through defenders. But then he gets to the final third and it's like, what do I do? <laughs> right? You get that feeling with Kovacic. Um, I, with with Paqueta, I feel like he'll give us a different option there as well. If he does play that eight role, he can still do do, do some of the defensive work that Kovacic does. But I feel like he's he's better on the on the attacking side. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, he's he's better in the box. He's better 
higher up the field, but he he can also play deeper, yeah. which is one thing I really like about him. It's like he can play next to Rodri if needed, um, and he can play a little. He can play much higher up because he's a good goal threat. He's good with both feet, uh, and he like he has a good shot on him. He'll he'll score some goals for City for sure. And he's he's, he's, he's twenty five he, right now, so he's yeah. still fairly young. He's basically a pep player, right? That's the best way to put it because he can play in multiple positions. He's pretty flexible with what we can do with him. Yeah, he's a, he's a pep midfielder. And even um, there's a quote I saw from David Moyes when I was doing my research on him where he basically, like, one thing I like about him is he's got, like, the flash and the flair, but it's not all style. Like, it's a lot of substance. And what David Moyes said is, it was, was about halfway through the season, so when he was starting to kick on, is he said basically like he he has all of the tools. He has the work rate. He has the, the effort. He has the drive. Um, but now we want a little more Brazilian to come out of him. Like we want more of the goals and assists. And that's what he provided more at the end of the year. But in the beginning when he was kind of trying to learn how to play in the Premier League, how to play at West Ham uh, – the the drive and the effort was always there and then as he kind of grew into the role you saw quote unquote the brazilian in him like the the flair the the dribbles the the flick ons the pass the like the nice through balls that like anything you would expect from like from a brazilian player that's kind of like the best way i i feel like i can put it is like some things you just look at him you're like that's a brazilian you know what i mean yeah, he does. He does have that a uh, bit of flair, uh, and then the ability to to, to hold onto the ball. I, like I said, I feel like he's going to be the perfect pep player. Um, it doesn't. We're not sure if it's going to happen or not. Um, basically, the, the current rumors are that you know we're pretty keen, and West Ham are willing to sell, but at at a certain price. I'm not sure what that price is and how how willing, how far willing City are to go. Like. If, if if it ends up being close to 100 million, I think City just pull out. But if it's anywhere in that 70 to 90 million, I think they stay they stay going for him. Um, and it's it's pretty obvious that we do need a player, and I'm sure Pep knows we need a player. I feel like he he had he used the preseason to judge McAtee and Palmer etc. and see how how ready they are for this season. And basically, he's gone. I still need I need a, I need another guy. I need I need some a bit more experience. I need something a bit more sure thing. Um, you know, and that's kind of what you need in this team. It's, it's the unfortunate, it's that unfortunate and fortunate and part of the beast of, of Man City where, you know, you want to give youth a chance, but at the same time, you can't lower the levels at all, right? You cannot, you cannot carry four academy lads that all need development time and have question marks over them. You do need a bit more certainty when, when you're, when you're, when you're going for these titles that we're going for. And Paqueta basically provides us that. So I, I feel like it will be a brilliant signing and I hope we, we do complete it before the window shuts. I think we've got about 20 days with the window right now. Um, so there's still a lot of plenty plenty of time, plenty of time for a lot of things to happen. So it could, the whole outlook could be completely different. On on the wing side, are you a little bit worried with, with the options that we have and, and who currently sits there or how are you feeling about that? I, I, I wouldn't say worried. I would say I don't think it's going to be our best season for wingers. I'll say that. Um, 
Because even like when you look at the guys that we have been looking to bring in, like, okay, right now, really our option is Grealish on the left or potentially Foden or on the right, potentially Foden or Bernardo Silva. And it looks like we're looking for a winger that can play both sides. Um, the, the two names we've heard the most are Michael Olise and Jeremy Doku. Michael Olise more or less is like Mares minus 10 years. Like he, he's a very, very similar player to Mares. Incredibly technical, incredibly skilled, has a hamstring injury right now that we don't know how long he's going to be out for, but it was semi-serious. Um, and then Doku, who is like this electric winger play, who plays both both sides as well. And he's just like, I don't know if I've ever seen somebody like that quick on a pitch. Like, not just straight line speed, but like twitch quick. Like, just like shifty in and out. Like, honestly, like kind he's, of, he's, he's kind a, of like Sterling, a, like a young Sterling. Yeah, his agility is really high in terms of, you know, lateral movements. Yeah, and he's just, he's very skilled overall. But both of them, both Doku and Olise, are 21 years old. So for them to come in and just be a world-class winger immediately is asking way too much of them. And that's not going to happen. They can both contribute to the team. But luckily, we still have Bernardo who can do a job on the wing. He's a central midfielder playing on the wing. Um, yeah, you can argue Foden's the same, right? So. Foden, I think Foden provides a little more dynamism there because one one thing, especially on the right wing, that you really want is you want to be able to – we switch out to the wings a lot, and you want to switch to a winger where the winger can then take his man one-on-one and create something. Like we mm-hmm. have that with Mares, created a lot of goals. We have that with Grealish, and we don't really have that with Bernardo as much, right? Like Bernardo's more in there for control, but he's not the kind of guy to like dribble at his guy – often Foden can though like Foden has no problem just like going at a guy so there is that element and uh, either Doku or Elise neither of them have a problem with that so I think they'll add that element it'll just take them some time because they are young and we know it takes time for anybody to adapt into a Pep Guardiola system so um it won't be the best season but like I think if we bring in a winger, there will be adequate cover there at the very least because of Bernardo, because of Foden, and because like we can afford to have them out on the wings because we'll have adequate cover centrally. Yeah. Do you think there's an argument to not go after an Elise or Doku because they kind of fit a similar profile to you know a Cole Palmer who's more of a project? Is there an argument to say not to go for a player like that? So I, I've heard that argument before that, like, if you're going to go buy somebody, buy somebody you're ready to go, right? Yeah. Don't buy somebody because we already have projects, so just stick with Cole Palmer if we want projects. I would say I agree with that unless the young guy you're buying can be, like, a generational world-class player because – I like Cole Palmer, but I don't think he has the potential to be like a generational world-class player. He could be, I think his ceiling is like a a good squad player for City, but not a like generational, like 
world-class kind of guy. I, I just, and so yeah. if, if we're looking at somebody like Olise or somebody like Doku, I think under Pep Guardiola, like those guys are, those guys can legitimately be world-class players and their ceilings much higher than Palmer, even though Palmer may be more ready to fit the system now. But we're not buying them for now. Like they're 21 years old. They're we're buying them to keep them for the next 10 years, not for this year. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting. So yeah, and that's kind of why I feel like we went after Paqueta. Maybe they don't like anyone to buy on the wings, especially with Elise's Elise's injury. You know, you look at it and you go, well, he does have a release clause. There are rumors that he does like London a little bit more. Um, so that could be a, a, a block to us signing him. But overall, I feel like they might just wait a year to bring someone in that's on the wings and see how Bernardo and 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 Foden do. And they might just keep one of Oscar Bob, one of Palmer, I think. But for me, I agree with you. I feel like Palmer is at that stage now in his career where he needs to make a move and get regular game time to prove himself. And and I've said this before. Uh, you know, I feel like Palmer's gotten. He's gotten to the point where he's overthinking things a little bit because he's trying to prove himself or he's trying too hard to do a certain thing. Um, and he's kind of like stuck in it a bit in his head. So it affects his decision making. And I feel like that's only going to come with regular game time. But to get regular game time at City, you need to perform at a high level. Um, and I don't feel like he's at that level right now to actually, you know, give give Pep Guardiola a selection headache, right? When when Pep when Pep Guardiola's got a selection headache, you know you've got two really good players in two good in, in one position, right? So, you know whether it be, you know, like if you look back at back before when we had Mares, Grealish, Sterling, Jesus on the wings, you kind of had a selection headache, right? It's like who do I choose or who do I put into this to fit this to fit this? I don't feel like Palmer pushes that needle. You know, Grealish is basically unopposed in his role. Right, unless Foden plays, right? But he's he's always going to play Grealish on the left wing. And then on the right wing, it's either like, okay, do I play Foden or Bernardo? I don't feel like he's... I don't feel like Palmer's pushing that needle where it's like, mm, maybe I should put Palmer in over Foden or put Palmer in over Bernardo. It's just not going to happen, right? So that's why I feel like we still do need that one extra player. Um, I don't know if it's Doku or, or, or Elise or whoever it is, but you need someone to push that needle, right? And that's where I think we're at in, on the wings. Strikers, I'm f- yeah. perfectly fine with. <laughs> I don't feel like yeah. anything in the striker department. <laughs> I hope you agree on that. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree on that. And it's, you know, it's weird because I, I do think two need to come in. I, I don't think, like, one, I guess, would be sufficient, but we really need two. And so either that or if we're not going to get a winger in, then, like, we should expect Cole Palmer and or Oscar Bob to get, like, some real minutes this year at, on the wing because that's just it's just too thin of a squad. Like I know Pep likes smaller squads, but the squad is it's just too thin. And so yeah, somebody needs to go in there. Uh, as for strikers, like Holland and Alvarez, great. Uh, and that's the other thing too is like they play together sometimes, and I know that's been the huge topic of debate is. Alvarez, look, I know Alvarez is not an eight, right? He's not a midfielder. We know that. That's not what, that's at least not been my argument is that he's a midfielder. I I know he's not. My argument is that 
Alvarez is going to play with Holland times this year. He did it last year. He will do it again. And he kind of plays as like a second striker. And I think in games where the teams are more defensive and sitting in their own third, uh, you're going to see some Holland and Alvarez. And Alvarez came on as a sub a lot last year, even if it wasn't for Holland. So he would play next to Holland a lot. So he is a real, and so even though he is not an eight, he's a realistic option to be next to Holland, which takes away a midfielder, essentially, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Look, the thing is, the thing was with Alvarez, right? He, and this again, talking of selection headache issues for Pep Guardiola. Alvarez does that for Pep, right? He gives him selection headache because he's so good. It's like, where do I play him? But he's so good. But the other striker is a generational freak of a striker. So you have to play him. So Alvarez can't can't take over the position, right? So he has to play him somewhere else. And then I feel like he'll, he'll, Pep's going to use the first couple months of the season, I feel, to tweak the tactics to try fit both in in some in some capacity. Um, like you said, we've seen it a lot last season. How much we see it again this season, up to debate. I feel like they can play together. It's just about working out the kinks around them to make it work. You know, I feel like if you have Alvarez and and you know, playing that second striker role and then you have Kovacic behind him, I feel like we lack creativity. But if you put someone like Pakita there instead of Kovacic and then play Rodri behind that... I feel like the creativity goes up again. So it depends on the on the system that we play or the players that we put in. That you you need different players, I guess, to make it work, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's why I like that all of these guys are they're they're all very versatile. Like nobody, very little guys in this team play one position and one position only and that's kind of what I like about the whole midfield and attack is it can be very fluid like Foden can play almost anywhere Kovacic can play most of midfield Paketa if he comes in can play almost anywhere in midfield and same with Bernard I mean Bernardo doesn't even need to be said he's played almost every position on the pitch and so I I like that for Pep, and I think Pep likes that. I think it's done on purpose so that um, he can players can fit in different areas and they can they can fill different roles. And um, I think Paketa coming in if he if he does come in also helps Rodri because I would feel a little more secure with Kovacic and Paketa there than like Kovacic and Foden or Kovacic and Whoever. And also, somebody we've completely forgotten this conversation, who's going to get more minutes is Rico Lewis. And Rico Lewis is also the perfect example. He can play literally anywhere. We don't know where he'll play. <laughs> For and an so, 18-year-old, that's nuts, honestly. He, he, I, I, I doubt he'll be a right back. Like, I know he played right back last year. I doubt he'll play right back. Off. He'll, <laughs> he can he'll play right invert. back, left back, invert. <laughs> Literally anywhere. So we're going to see more of Rico Lewis as well. So, like, I feel very comfortable that we have so many options who can play so many 
different positions. And it it have adding Takata and adding a winger really solidifies the squad. Uh, and also, uh, here, here's my next question for you then. Do you think that's a sufficient squad turnover to kind of add to some hunger for this year? Because, Or do you think motivation or hunger is not going to be an issue? I think, look, to start the season, I don't feel like we'll have an issue. It's when it's when the going gets tough in the middle of the season and the season becomes a slog again where you might start questioning the hunger and the drive for these players that have been here for so long. But we've got Pep Guardiola. I don't think he'll let the levels drop at all. And you've got and I I feel like we've added, you know, we've got Guardiola in, we've got Kovacic in. You know, Kovacic's never won the Premier League, for example, right? So he's he's gonna he's gonna really want that. So then we've got we've got enough players in there to push. And I feel like if we bring in a couple more, like we're, we're supposed to, then I feel like that's that's enough turnover in the squad to keep the, the motivation high. And players like Haaland, I've only been here for a season. Um, they're all going to want to push for more and more trophies, right? I don't think they're, they're ever going to have that lack of mentality or lack of drive. Um, and the other players that have been in the squad, like Bernardo and, and Kevin De Bruyne, etc., you know, they've played the same levels regardless of what we've won the year before. Yes, we've won a treble, which is like, you know, as Pep in his, interview, in his press conference said, you, we were right at the top of the mountain and now we're coming back down to start over again. There's always going to be a little bit of difficulty in that. Um, I don't I feel like, example, right? Rodri can't play the amount of minutes that he played last season. Um, so there might be a slight drop-off, but I feel like as the season progresses, it'll pick up again, right? You know, we'll, you might have a few dips. You might not be looking fantastic around September, October time. But come January, February, we'll, we'll be driving into that full kick-on mode and, 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 you know, trying to win trophies at the end of the season. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. I feel like we're good to go. You know, bring one more player in and I think we're good to go. Two players, we're like excellent. And, and the window becomes a really good success. Yeah, I think even if we only bring in one, I think we'll look to maybe bring in one in, in January. But I kind of agree with you in that like, I don't think motivation, like, it seems like the theme is how are you going to be able to motivate these guys again? Because it is hard when you've won three Premier Leagues in a row and you've won a Champions League, you just won the treble for the second time ever. It's incredibly hard to, like, keep that level. But if anybody's done it, it's Pep Guardiola. And... The other thing is I think our squad has had sufficient turnover to keep people hungry, like you said. Because yeah, I agree. in the last two seasons, if we bring in two more players, so say we bring in Paqueta and a winger, that will be four players in, four first-team players in this summer, and three first-team players in last summer. And I'm not even counting Calvin Phillips, yep. who – should have been a first team player and for other reasons it doesn't look like he's going to get much playing time but without him we brought in last summer Alvarez, Holland and Akanji and Ortega if you even want to count Ortega so that's eight players depending on if you want to count Ortega eight seven to eight players in the first team that have only been here either one year or two years or one year or no or no just came so yeah, that is a good team. turnover. 
It's basically yeah, it's, yeah. There's there's a core intact, and what we've always heard, I think it's a quote either from Sir Alex or from Pat, where or from somebody famous that said, "Look, in order to sustain success, you either need to change the team or you need to change the coach." And we've changed the team, like we we have turned over this squad pretty well. Like the only the only two players over thirty are Kevin De Bruyne and Kyle Walker. Everyone else is under 30. Ederson might be 30. I think Ortega might be 30. But of the outdoor outfield players, like we've we've done a good job of turning these guys over. And I think that hunger and competition at every level is going to be huge, especially in defense where everybody is top. Really, like everybody is is class. And in midfield where you have so many guys who can play so many positions. Pep has a million options. So you're competing with everyone. If you don't perform, he's not going to play you. So I, I'm not as uh, pessimistic as others on the motivation. And I think also the, the motivation will be, let's go do something nobody's ever done and win a fourth straight Premier League title. That's like that. That's a motivation in and of itself. Is let's go set another record. Yeah, and that kind of puts us in, a, in another good discussion. So, the challenges around us, right? So, obviously, as we're talking, the landscape's changing because it's an open market. Um, like, there's just breaking news that just came out about ten minutes ago. Um, Cassiato to Liverpool for a hundred million. That's according to Talksport, which is an okay source when they, when they do break news, but. That's huge. If they if they put Cassiota into that midfield, I think they're scary. They're looking scary again. That's probably their only weakness left in the team, which was like a defensive midfielder or a great midfielder in that in that spot. Um, but if they spend a hundred million on Cassiota, ooh, how are you feeling about the challenges around us? Yeah, I would say Liverpool. They'll always. I mean, they'll come back, right? Like they have a lot of options in the front three. And the problem I think they'll have is depth in the midfield, not quality. So, like, having a new midfield is going to be tough with McAllister, uh, Spozalai, and Caicedo. Like, it's going to be tough having those three. And, like, Klopp is a very similar type of coach in that it takes time to really bed into his system. Like, it, it, you can't just hit – it's not easy to just hit the ground running. And have they even added anyone else? Like, other than the mid – like, they have Thiago. They lost Henderson and Fabinho. So, they mid, their midfield – I think their midfield starting three, if the, if the Cassiato room is true, their starting three will be um, Cassiato in defensive midfield and then McAllister and Sazbuz – I can't say his name. Sazbuzalai, yeah. Sazbuzalai. So, it's a pretty, it's a pretty young – New midfield, but that's pretty. That's I'm I'd be for midfield rebuild that they needed. That'd be fantastic, right? Oh, um, it's 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 very good. I just yeah. I'm, it, like you said, it does need time though. They might they might yeah. not they're not might not be title challenges this season, but come next season, I think they'll be you know in and in and around the in and around the title challenge um discussions again. Yeah, but, I, but let's. I think we both agree, and when when I bring this up, is Arsenal's probably going to be our biggest challenger this season. Yeah, so on paper, obviously, like, they were our biggest challenger last season, and they've only gotten better. And, like, they've they've 
gotten much better, I would say. Like, they added David Raya, who's a good keeper, even though I didn't really see the point in it. I thought Ramsdale was a good keeper on his own, but adding another good keeper isn't going to hurt them. It can only help. So they've added Raya, at least on loan. They've added Declan Rice. They've added Jurian Timber. They've added uh, Kai Havertz. Is, there, is anyone, Am I missing anyone else? Uh, those are those are the big ones. Those are the big ones that I can think of. Yeah, and so yep. so they haven't gotten worse. Like if, if you're seeing who's left and then who's come in, Timbers come in. Nobody from the defense is left. Um, Jaka left, and I think that so they've just added some depth, which they've needed. They're also in the Champions League, but one thing I'll say is like the game isn't played on paper, and really. The only team other than City that has shown that for multiple seasons, they can have big title challenging years, which the standard is 90 plus points. City have set that standard. Like if you want to win the Premier League, you're probably going to have to get at least 90 points. And Arsenal's going to have to prove that. Like I don't care how deep they are. They need to prove that they can do that for multiple seasons. And they're going to need to prove that, that they can do it consistently over the course of an entire season because they haven't proven that yet. Like, they proved that they were at a really good level for four months and then dropped off. Yeah, I I think the big challenge for them will be trying to maintain. So, like, if you look at last season, they came at the gates flying, got 51 points in 19 games, something like, which is, like, absolutely crazy. It's, like, you know, 100-point pace, right? But the difference this year is they've got Champions League football, which means midweek games are going to be really, really important. You can't you can't rotate like they did in the Europa League where they were playing, you know, their secondary or, like, they were shifting three or four players. They're going to need to play their big hitters in the Champions League games, which means you have to try rotate in the Premier League games and still maintain your levels, right? So I feel like that's where the challenge for them will be, especially if they go into a little bit deeper into the Champions League, um, you know, if they make round of 16 or quarterfinals. So for, for me, there's that's where their challenge is going to be. It's going to be trying to deal with that. You know, Europa League is not the same as Champions League. We've seen it all the time. It's, it makes teams very, like, a, approach the, the season very differently. Um, so that's something new for them that they have to deal with this season that, you know, a lot of people are not really considering. Um, you know, everyone goes, oh, look, they're better on paper. Yes, cool. They've added players. They've let go of some players that, you know, slightly improved, etc. But they're not really thinking about the fact that they've got Champions League to think about this season as well. So that changes the entire dynamic. But I still think they'll be the biggest challenges. Um, and we, like you said, like we said earlier in the, in the pod where, you know, a little bit of a tiny bit of downturn from, from a treble season could put us at a, at a lower starting point than we were last season. That could all affect how the season goes and how the title race goes. But I still feel like Arsenal will be that top challenger. I don't feel like United, Chelsea, Tottenham, Newcastle have done enough to catch up to us. I don't think they're at that level yet. They all need like maybe one more season to build on top of what they've got. Um, like we've just said, like so Tottenham right now... <laughs> Other breaking news that happened while we we're doing this pod was, or just before we started the pod, was you know Harry Kane is going to Bayern Munich, um, and that's that's you know he's agreed to go there based on what David Ornstein's saying. So <laughs> it's going to continuously change. So we we'll probably won't have a clear picture of who's going to be the guaranteed 
um, title challenger probably to the end of the transfer window. You know, especially for us, our, our team could look slightly different as well. So, um, in terms of you know, who's going to play where, etc., where who, who and who we keep. You know what I mean? Maybe someone comes in for Bernardo and we have to let him go right a week before the, the window closes. Not likely, but you never know, right? So, I feel like. We'll probably have to discuss this again <laughs> come come the end of the transfer window, just so we know what everyone's got. Um, but for me right now, I think definitely Arsenal's going to be there. I don't think Chelsea's ready at all. Like a lot of, I've seen a lot of people get really excited about how Chelsea's playing in preseason, but again, they're just such a young team. Where it's no, like, they're not there. They're not. Yeah, there. they'll they'll need a season. They they might have a surprise season like Arsenal did last season, like like where no one expected them to challenge. But it'd be very similar if they did anything like Chelsea, where it'd be like, what uh, like Arsenal say, sorry, where they'll have like a good start or something like that, or they'll be in and in about, and then they'll just fall off, right? Because they I, don't have the experience. I don't even, I don't even see them. Ha- they, I don't think they'll do a season like. No, no, I don't, th- I don't think like so either. They're, they're so far away. Like I said, they're so far away. But they don't have. They don't and have and Kunku's out for for now, like four months as yeah, well. Yeah, that that hurts them a lot. But they've they've got um they've got no they've got no European football, right? So they can they can really just focus on the season. Um, and we've seen it before when a team <laughs> is a really good team and doesn't have European football, they have that ability to to play well and look good. Um, but look, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's it's, it's a really interesting season coming up. I think uh, it, there's so many dynamics that are constantly changing in this window as well. It's a very strange window, especially with you know Saudi Arabia's um, purchases that have changed the market a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's I'm looking forward to this season yeah. to be honest. It's, it's, it feels good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited that that we have Burnley in less than 24 hours from now, which is yeah. great. Um, I I I really I'm I'm excited. Um, the other thing, like I I kind of agree with you on the challengers. So like Newcastle have improved, but they haven't done enough. Um, I don't know if you've seen like Tonali. I think is a big, really good signing for them, but it looks like he's being held hostage there. I don't know if you've seen that, but like I've, I've seen I've seen the videos of him looking <laughs> upset and like looking like very, just very serious. Yeah. But, but but from what I've read from Milan fans, that's basically his face and that's how he is. So it's not really anything about Newcastle. It's any, it's not like he's being held hostage. It's just how he is. That's his personality. So I wouldn't read too too much into it. Yeah, um, I, I'm not sure. So there's that. They signed Harvey Barnes. They'll like they'll be right in and around the top four. I think also. Brighton and Aston Villa, I think, will be hovering around the top four as well. Like Aston Villa, I've been incredibly impressed with their signings. I think I think Brighton will have a bit of a downturn year, to be honest. Really, I think especially if they can get Kudus, like he he doesn't want Kudus to go there, is though. a top four. Well, he wants to go there. From what I've seen, uh, he wants to go there. He wants a release clause or something. Yeah, he wants a release clause, and Brighton don't want to give it to him. Obviously. If he if they get that over the line, that's a huge like he is a top four player. Like he's a very good player. And for him to go to Brighton, he could be one of those guys where he goes to Brighton and he's a hundred million pound player next year. Like and I think Deserby's a very good coach. They've also signed um Dehoud from Dortmund, who was kind of a good young talent and never really panned out at Dortmund. It wouldn't surprise me if he turned it around there. Who knows what they're going to do with the Caicedo thing, right? It looks like Liverpool might have him, but who knows? But, like, I like Brighton. I like Deserby. I like Brighton. 
Joao Pedro, I think, is a very good player. They signed him as well. And CISO is going to get better. Like, I, I'm a big fan. I think, do I not be I surprised if them or Aston Villa is hovering around the top four. I'm not going to say they're, I'm not saying they're going yeah. to make it, but they'll hover around. I feel like Villa, for me at least, I feel like Villa will have a better season than Brighton, only because Brighton's who they've lost and who they're going to potentially break. If they lose Casario, right, and and McAllister won, that's it's a big part of their midfield that you know help propel them to what they achieved last season. Um, you know, I, I, that's kind of massive to lose those two type of players. It's not they're not easy players to replace, no matter no matter how good your recruitment is, right? When you lose those quality of players. Your levels naturally gonna go down, so I feel like that's that's my only issue or, or my concerns for Brighton. Um, but hey, you never know. That, that like you said, they'll be hovering there, and next season it's top five makes Champions League, right? So the fifth spot actually gets Champions League next season. Um, yeah, for the, for and the then, season after, sorry. Yeah, and then like when you look at the other kind of traditional top teams, like United has gotten better, but I wouldn't say they've gotten so much better to where they can compete with City and Arsenal. I think Onana is actually a big signing for them because they can they finally can play the style that their that their manager wants to play. Um but other than that, like Mount isn't a huge upgrade from Ericsson. He's an upgrade, but it's not like massive by any stretch. Yeah. Um, I, th- I feel like United it depends how the young striker goes as well. You know, they, yeah, that too. They, He's twenty yeah, years old. Yeah, they they lacked they lacked goals last season, right? And Rashford basically uh, overachieved, I think, in that area where he was like scoring, like he, like he looked fantastic in that in that run that he did. But yeah. Rashford Rashford does that a lot. He blows hot and cold, so it's not he's not a consistent goal scorer. So for me, if if the new the new, the new striker, called, I think his name is Holland, Holland. It sounds like Haaland, but it's not Hoyland, Haaland. yeah. Yeah, Hoyland, right? So, I feel like it depends a lot on how he goes. And I think he's out for the first month of the season anyway um, with, with like a slight injury to his knee. Um, yeah, look, it all depends. Like, they, they've improved, but I don't think enough to be a title challenger, right? You know, I'm sure we're here in, midway through the season, they'll have like a really good run of form and, you know, everyone will lose their mind and they'll be part of the title race for about three weeks again and then they'll just fall off again. Well, can United win the quadruple? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, dude. <laughs> when they, they won one trophy and everyone's like, can they do the quadruple? No, they can't. They're never going to do that. Um, so, yeah. uh, let, let's move on to... The good match we just talked about that's in less than 24 hours. Burnley, first match of the season. How are you feeling going into this? What are you what are you expecting from City or from Burnley? So I think it's interesting. So I'm not, I'm not sure Burnley. So Company is a very possession-based manager, but I don't feel like he 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 he's he's he knows he, he's tactically you know, well suited to know that he's not going. He doesn't need to play that that way against City. He 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 will change a little bit. So I'm not expecting him to try play possession football against City. He knows it's not going to work. So he will change a little, little bit. Um, but from City's end, I expect us to do what we do. We, I, I I don't I don't feel like Pep's going to change anything with his like back three. I wonder if Gavardio does get in. There is a rumor that Diaz didn't travel as well to to Burnley. Yeah, for the I, game. I saw that rumor. 
Yeah, so if, if Diaz is not playing... <laughs> Traveling, traveling is a light word. Burnley's like right next to me. Yeah, I know. It's like 30 minutes away. So it, in reality, it's like he could just be coming late, right? But whatever it is, if he does have a slight knock, then maybe, maybe they're saving for the, for the Super Cup, which I think is a, is a bigger game um, in, in the midweek. You know, we've got a trophy on the line. It's, it's a very hard trophy to, to, to be in to, to win it. So I feel like we'll go all out for that. So I feel like they'll have that in mind. But they'll obviously want to go for a result. And if we go based off last season... Um, Pep plays very pragmatic away from home. He doesn't go all out. He'll he'll go in for, you know, get a result, be defensively sound, um, you know, get a one two nil win, and then they'll just move the ball around and play possession football, um, you know, for the rest of the game. So I don't expect us to go and try score five goals, for example, and go five nil up. We just don't do that away. We, you know, if you look at our goals, our goals away versus home last season, it's like three to one and a half. It's almost double. Um, so we're not we're not that type of team away anymore. I don't think we don't just go for it. Um, so I feel like Pep will do more of the same at, away at Burnley. He'll do that pragmatic approach. He'll you know move the ball around, try to get one or two goals, and then go from there. So I feel like if if you ask me who's gonna start, I'd say Grealish and Bernardo starting on the wings for that control. Um, obviously Haaland down the middle. If Kevin De Bruyne is fit. He's playing. Um, same with Kovacic and, and Rodri. I don't feel like that will change uh, midfield-wise. Maybe Foden comes in onto the wing just to give it a bit of dynamism instead of Bernardo. Um, but defense, I'm not... Like like we said earlier in the pod, whoever plays in defense, I don't really care. Like, I'm, I'm that confident. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm that confident in our defense right now. It literally... He can put... He can pluck any of the seven names um, from the team sheet um, and put three or four of them in and I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, I'd like to see Gvardiol just to see him, but yeah, uh, yeah that's like a selfish thing, you know. And so, um, and, and, other than and, that, honestly, the the way I see the game panning out is completely different than the way you see it. Like, I see Burnley going for it. I don't think you're. I think I think Vincent Company. I think what he's going to try to do is impose their style on the bottom half of the league. And you really you like you you don't want to change up your approach to the top half when you want to impose your style, right? It reminds me of Eddie Howe at Bournemouth, as is what I'm thinking. Like where yeah, it's a good Bournemouth point. Bournemouth usually got their ass kicked by everyone at the top, <laughs> right? Because they went out and they played against you. And but what they did is they generally were really good against the bottom teams because they just they outclass them. And I think company's going to do the same. I don't think they're just going to sit back. I think they're going to go after us like they did in the in the FA Cup last year where they went after us. They really kind of gave us some trouble for about a half hour, and then we just tore them to shreds. And I think that's kind of how it's – I think it's either going to go where they really frustrate us because they're organized and they're pressing, or we're going to tear them to shreds again. Because we're going to have the opportunities. I don't think it's going to be, you know, like City playing pragmatically. I think we're just going to have the opportunities to tear them to shreds. Or they're going to play really well and they're going to frustrate us. And it could be a a much more cagey affair. But I don't see Burnley just sitting back and us kind of just passing it around. Yeah, look, I don't think, like I said, I don't think they'll sit completely back. But I feel like they'll just be a bit more pragmatic. We'll see how they go tomorrow. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to. I can't, I can't wait. We're back into the season. 
Um, and I'm sure we'll be back. I with love a, it. A lot, I'm sure we'll be back with a lot more podcasts. We'll probably do a review after the Burnley game, um, and then we've got the Super Cup right in the midweek. So, and that's why you yeah. might, see, and that's why you might see Gavardio against Burnley. Right? We we need to start rotating already. Right? It's like, well, if you're not playing on Sunday, then you can play the midweek game, which is a Super Cup. And I'm sure Pep will want to play his, you know, best starting eleven or all the, all the players that deserve to play. Um, really? Is the Super, Super Cup, Cup that? Isn't that big a deal? It's like it's yes. like the Champions League Community Shield. No, 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 no. It's nowhere near anything like the Community Shield. The Super Cup, especially for someone like Pep, he'll take that very seriously. Believe me, he he is going to treat it like a final, and and it does. It's to me, it's a lot more prestigious than a trophy like the Community Shield. So it's it's not a friendly at all. It is actually a competitive game, and it actually means a lot. So you know, teams count as a, as a trophy, right? They'll count it as a trophy. So he'll take that ultra seriously. He's gonna play his best eleven in that team in in that in that game. And I actually I actually want us to win it. Like I said, you don't get to play the Super Cup unless you win the Champions League or the Europa League. When most likely not going to be in the Europa League anytime soon to win it. So you have to win the Champions League to play the to to win the Super Cup. So for me, it's a no brainer. And I know Pep will have the same mentality. You you see how Pep treats the Community Shield. He's going to treat the Super Cup even higher than that. So expect us to go all out for that one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, point taken. I you've convinced me now. So, uh, it, yeah. Get ready for the season, guys. We will see you next week. Yep. See you guys. Bye. <laughs>